welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a podcast recorded for December 26, 2021, by Reverend Joyce Shin. Would you please pray with me? Grant us, God, a mind to meditate on you, a heart to love you, and a life to proclaim you through the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It's hard to believe that on this first Sunday after Christmas Day, the lectionary turns our attention to a story about Jesus, who is already a teenager. It's the second of only two stories, both found in the Gospel of Luke, that speak of Jesus as a child before he matured into adulthood. In the first story, Jesus was an infant, carried into the temple by his parents, as observant Jews, Mary and Joseph had already circumcised Jesus. And just as the Torah required of them, they brought him to the temple to present him to the Lord. There, a man named Simeon and a prophet named Anna saw Jesus, and they recognized something in Jesus that amazed even his parents. In today's story, Jesus is a teenager and has returned to the temple with his family to participate in one of the three annual pilgrim festivals described in the Torah. While traveling with a caravan of extended family and friends, on their way home, Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus is not with them. After having frantically searched for him for three days, they find their son in the temple, and they cannot believe their eyes. He is there sitting among teachers, and rather than receiving instruction from them, Jesus is teaching them by asking questions just as Socrates, the greatest and wisest teacher of all time, was known to do. Though they remember how remarkable Jesus' conception and birth had been, they are nevertheless astounded and confounded by what their son now says and does. Who is this person who says to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? How can their own son, whom they brought up from birth, be so unfamiliar to them? In his book, Far From the Tree, Parents, Children, and the Search for Identity, writer Andrew Solomon brings into focus the universally common phenomenon among families, that all offspring are startling to their parents. Because children are actually not reproductions of their parents. Parents inevitably wonder who their children are. Andrew Solomon poses the phenomenon this way. How can the apple have fallen so far from the tree? At some point, 
To some extent, and for different reasons, all parents and children will throw up their arms and ask this question. My own daughter likes to claim that there was a mix-up at her birth and that we brought the wrong baby home from the hospital. To understand this universal phenomenon, Andrew Solomon looks at extreme cases of difference in which traits, conditions, abilities, or identities of children feel alien to their parents. He describes cases of deafness, dwarfs, homosexuality, disability, and prodigy, among others. As different as these cases are from each other and as unique as every family's experience of their own case may be, all these cases bring to the fore the issue of identity. Children and parents alike struggle to understand what bearing these traits, conditions, or abilities will have on their children's identities. Let's take an example. In the case of child prodigies, parents struggle to know whether and to what extent they should push their children to achieve their full potential. Solomon describes the dilemma and its potential consequences for the children's sense of identity. He writes, there is no clear delineation between supporting and pressuring a child, between believing in your child and forcing your child to conform to what you imagine for him. You can damage prodigies by nurturing the talent at the expense of personal growth or by cultivating general development at the expense of the special skill that might have given him the deepest fulfillment. Writing about prodigiousness, disability, or any other circumstance, Solomon's point is that children in such cases are like apples that fall far from the tree, perhaps even a couple of orchards away. I cannot imagine a more extreme case of this than that of Jesus, son of Mary and Joseph, and son of God. Surely Jesus inherited some of his identity from Mary and Joseph, from the society, culture, and religious tradition in which he grew up. He learned carpentry from Joseph. From his parents and Jewish community, he learned to become a pious Jew. And yet, clearly, Jesus' identity was not simply a composite of these profound influences. Jesus was more than these components put together. He was not only Mary's son, the son of a carpenter, a boy from Nazareth, the brother of James, a pious Jew. He was all these things and something more. If we are lucky, each of us has a story about how we discovered our sense of identity and calling. If we are so lucky, I suspect that our stories consist not only of influential things, but also of influential people, maybe even a community of people who shaped our sense of identity. This was the case for a teenager named Stephen who tells the story of how he discovered his vocation. Stephen received his first set of keys when he was 16. 
when he got his driver's license and his parents handed him the key to the family car. He remembers his heart pounding with excitement as he climbed behind the wheel and pulled out of his driveway for the first time by himself. In that moment, with his newfound freedom, he really wasn't sure where to go. Within a moment, he knew the answer. Over the past several years, his church had become like a second home to him. At church, he felt known, accepted, and valued. So he drove in that direction. As he drove into the church parking lot, the church's daycare center was wrapping up for the day. One of the coordinators who knew him saw him driving the car, and seeing that he now had transportation, she asked if he might be interested in helping after school. Even before she finished asking him, Stephen knew his answer. Yes, he would take the job. He would get to spend time in a place he felt comfortable, hang out with kids, and on top of that, he would get paid. Taking him to the church office, she handed him a key to the church. If you're going to help us, you'll need a key, she said. A week later, while Stephen was working with the kids, the youth pastor stopped by and said, you know, Stephen, if you have your driver's license and are already at the church, would you be willing to stock the vending machine for us? Before he knew it, Stephen had a key to the car, a key to the church, and a key to a vending machine. It was there at the church that as more and more people entrusted him with access and responsibility, Stephen discovered his vocation. For over 20 years now, he has been following his call as a youth pastor. The truth is that our identity is socially formed. The self is formed in relation to other people. American sociologist George Herbert Mead is perhaps most famous for developing the theory that our sense of self emerges from our social experiences, such as observing and interacting with those around us, responding to others' opinions about ourselves, and sometimes, for better or worse, internalizing those opinions. That we are each socially formed seems quite obvious, but too often we don't take seriously enough the implications of this insight. Too often we focus on the exceptionalism or uniqueness of a person's identity. In conducting interviews for his book, Andrew Solomon found that the majority of people about whose cases he wrote tended to think of their cases as exceptional. Solomon writes, almost everyone was to some degree put off by the chapters in this book other than their own. Deaf people didn't want to be compared to people with schizophrenia. Some parents of schizophrenics were creeped out by dwarfs. Criminals couldn't abide the idea that they had anything in common with transgendered people. The prodigies and their families objected to being in a book with the severely disabled. 
to be sure. In the case of Jesus, too, we often focus on his exceptional identity. After all, he is the Son of God. The stories about Jesus before he has fully matured, however, are not only about how exceptional he was. They remind us of humanity's exceptional and yet shared identity and calling. All of us are more than what we have inherited from our parents. We are more than apples that fall close to the tree. And we are certainly more than what society's norms tell us we are. All of us are children of God. That is our shared, exceptional identity and vocation. At some point in time, we, like Jesus, must claim our identity and calling for ourselves. If we're lucky, we will have grown up in a community of Simeons and Annas who recognize something in us, who accept and value us, who are our teachers, and then who allow us to teach them, who confirm our identity and calling as God's children so that we, like Jesus, can eventually claim God's house as our own. Until now, others had made claims about Jesus' identity and calling. The proclamation of the angels, the testimony of the shepherds, the vision of Simeon and Anna. Now, for the first time, Jesus speaks for himself. He has come to know for himself that he is not only Mary's son, the son of a carpenter, a boy from Nazareth, or the brother of James. He is all these things and the son of God. Over the past year, six young people in our congregation have participated in a confirmation class. Four of them have made the decision that they want to claim a relationship with God and discipleship to Jesus Christ as their own. All of them have made the decision to claim this community of faith as their own, a community in which they will keep learning, growing, and being formed in their identity as children of God. In a couple of weeks, on January 9th, this congregation will confirm the identity and calling of all of these young people as children of God. In doing so, our congregation will live into our own calling as well, a collective calling to be the Simeons and Annas, the teachers in the temple who are willing to be taught, the extended family of faith who sees and values their exceptional identity as children of God. That is what we will be doing here in our Father's house. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon, recorded for December 26, 2021, by Reverend Joyce Shin. We'll see you soon, and may the peace of Christ be with you.